Amazing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I feel like my brain has been just turned into a go-gurt, and that's what's powering my body. Because I gotta tell you, I have never felt so turned inside out and upside down than I do right now after the weirdest week ever. Ever? Ever. I attempted to take the weekend off. Didn't work, obviously. (laughs) Didn't happen. And now it's... I'm recording this on Monday, and I I, I feel like a shell of a human. I feel like my body has traveled through time, and I haven't. Do you know how sometimes if you've flown international, and you get there, and you're like, okay, well, you put me in a little metal capsule, and now I am in a foreign country? How did this happen? No, maybe other people's brains usually work. I don't know. I'm just wowed and mesmerized by everything. But either way, I am having a hard time getting back on track with theme park news when there's truly so much going on. So hopefully this episode will reset you like, honestly, I I hope it does for me. This week, we're taking a little step outside what we usually do here on Very Amusing, but it's a story I'm looking forward to sharing with you, and doing it through this podcasting format really seemed like the very best way to tell this story. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, I can't believe that we already have 12 episodes in the can. We are nearing the end of season one of Very Amusing. I didn't anticipate it would sneak up on me so quickly, but I've been working on rounding out the rest of the season, and it's almost the end of 2020. I can't believe it. But if you immediately are like, what will I fill my silences with upon me saying that? Do not worry. Uh, This season will be ending on a high note. That's all I'm going to say. You know I have a very hard time keeping secrets and that I very urgently want to tell you what I have in store, but I will not. I will not. I will keep my lips zipped and I will move on with the pod. We're going to jump into news next because there's some surprising Muppety things happening at the Magic Kingdom. So stick around and stay with us for that. Let's get into the news of this week, but kind of last week because it's Wednesday to Wednesday and there's a weekend in between. I'm not a calendar. You know what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not going to say anything else until I start talking about the Muppets, because we are covering the Muppets first and foremost. Anything Muppets is the biggest news in my world, except for like anything Steve Kornacki related, because I'm still riding that map high. You know what I mean? But the Muppets appeared last week without notice, without announcement, without fanfare, just bloop, popped up in the windows in Liberty Square. It is bonkers. They are sadly not reprising one of my all-time favorite shows, The Muppets Present, dot, 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 Great Moments in American History, which, frankly, was one of my all-time favorite things to stand and sweat in the sun to. (laughs) It was such a good show, and always, it was at least 145 degrees outside, standing there absorbing the Orlando sun. It's like if you wanted to get your fill of Kermit Hamilton, you also were going to sweat from every pore in your body, which kind of added to it. You know, you really had to overcome something to experience that wonderful, wonderful show. This time around, the Muppet characters are just up there for selfies as a surprise. And it's, I mean, it's a really nice touch, but I i don't know what I would think if I was there because I can't be that close to Kermit and have him not say anything. Or like Fozzie Bear or Miss Piggy, a silent Miss Piggy? I don't know. 
I mean, I'd be thrilled to see her. Who am I talking about? I liked every single photo I saw that came out of there. I would be so excited to see Miss Piggy under any circumstance. Who am I fooling? Now, we're not going to get too into holiday season at the theme parks because, frankly, I have to write a story about it this week, and I want to get all my details straight before I start spilling some beans about it here. But we will cover it next week. In addition to my visit to downtown Disney, I have not been to downtown Disney since the spring, and I'm going for my first time this weekend. I don't really know what to expect. I haven't been covering it. It's not really my beat right now because, I don't know, I'm I'm just mostly rooted in rides, you know what I mean? But I'm really excited. I'm excited to be there. I'm excited to uh, eat so much churro toffee. I'm looking forward to it. So I will let you know how that is once I return. It's so funny because there's so much real news that happens every week, and I just tend to obsess over these small little things. Like, to me, the biggest news of the week is the fact that they updated the Disney Hollywood Studios map, and there is what we all are assuming is a gay couple on the front, which is incredible, and we applaud Disney. It is so good, but there's, like, actual other news happening, but I don't care because I only want to talk about maps and Muppets and the weird jungle gym that was in front of Cinderella Castle? What is that? There was this thing last week that Alicia Stella tweeted about and fully cracked my brain open that is like, it was like a a bridge. It was like a bridge and then slides. And everyone's like, it's for a TV performance. And I talked to AJ from Disney Food Blog and she's like, it's for a TV performance. And I'm like, who and when? And also, I want to go on the slide. If you put a slide in front of a princess castle, I'm going to want to go on the slide. You know what I mean? So that's that's mostly what I'm into. I'm sorry if this news section isn't what you hoped it would be, but it's my it's my purview of news. And I got to write about a lot of it for work work. So here I just want to party and talk about slides and Fozzie Bear. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? There's so much food I want to talk about that I haven't eaten yet. I will get to it next week. I really want to get into this week's episode topic because it's a friggin' Ratatouille musical, y'all. Okay, we're just going into it. Forget the news. It's time to party. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This week, we're talking about something super special, something theme park adjacent that I think you are absolutely going to enjoy. So grab your tickets, buy a $16 Pinot Noir served in a plastic sippy cup, and tuck your tush into a velvet cushioned seat because it's time for Ratatouille the Musical. 
No, it's not a new Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez joint coming to Broadway in 2023, but an organic trend that began on TikTok earlier this year that grew to great heights and continues to thrive. TikTok videos using the hashtag Ratatouille Musical have over 13 million views, but it all started in one place with Emily Jacobson, a New York elementary school teacher. The theme park fan regularly pens short songs about small Disney-isms folks like us are obsessed with, like a hymn for the Ascension Pooh in the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh attraction, or a love song for Chuby, the random little bird in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. But it's this one song, an ode to Ratatouille, that kicked off an unpredictable chain of events, ending in a virtual Broadway-style production performed exclusively in quarantine. I reached out to Emily Jacobson, who told me she's always been musical, making up random songs since she was a child. Having canceled and rebooked her Disney World trip multiple times this year due to the pandemic, relatable, right? She found herself missing the most magical place on Earth. One day, after reading a news story about Remy's Ratatouille adventure, the Epcot ride whose opening has been delayed, she sang a little ditty to herself dedicated to everyone's favorite little chef, and when she couldn't get it out of her head, uploaded it to TikTok. For those who may not be as familiar, the forthcoming attraction and the musical are based on Pixar's 2007 film Ratatouille, in which Remy, a rat from humble beginnings, aspires to be a gourmand like Paris's great Chef Gusteau. Under unusual circumstances, Remy collaborates with Linguini, a bumbling employee who, when matched with Remy's unpredictable culinary skill set, soon becomes a fast-rising star, much to the surprise of sous-chef Colette and the chagrin of fellow restaurant staff. When food critic Anton Ego returns to evaluate the buzzy restaurant's new cook, he served a transcendent plate of ratatouille, a vegetable dish mostly comprised of tomato, eggplant, zucchini, and bell pepper with various spices, paying tribute to the excellence in simplicity. Ratatouille the musical, in a way, is no different. A string of individually recorded songs from people across the country, or world, really, written, recorded, and strung together to comprise a loosely bound masterpiece. Months after Emily uploaded her audio, it traveled, as songs do, through the TikTok universe. Some prominent creators started paying attention to it, and eventually the song made it to Daniel Mertzluft, a New York City-based composer, arranger, and music director, who whipped it into an ensemble-style Act 2 musical closer that, dare I say, I'd pay real money to see performed live. From there, well, the rest is the magic of the internet. This crowdsourced Ratatouille musical began to spread, and a few days later, once an open call for Ratatouille-themed songs was shared online, they began pouring in. 
I'll let high school student Blake Rouse take it from here, explaining his portrayal of Colette and Linguini's relationship as a tango, of which he recorded himself performing both parts. So long story short, a group of people on TikTok are making a Ratatouille musical and they said that they needed songwriters and user Cincinnati Strikes Again said that she would like to see a tango between Linguini and Colette. Um, and so this is what I came up with. What are you doing? I'm cutting vegetables. I'm cutting vegetables. No, you waste energy and time. Okay. Do you think cooking is a cute job like mommy in the kitchen? Well, mommy never had to face a dinner hush when the orders came flooding in and every dish is different and none is simple and all of the different cooking times but must arrive on the customer's table at exactly the same time. Hot and perfect. Every second counts and you cannot be mommy. Do you understand? Not particularly. You're such a stupid boy. Just listen to me. Okay. If you want to make it in the kitchen, yes, ma'am. You can't just flail your arms around. Right. Got it. So, honey, time to focus. Okay. Stop and listen. Will do. As you can tell, these aren't little memes or jokes. These are legitimately talented musicians putting their skills to the test while just trying to get by in this wildly unpredictable year, creating actual magic from within their four walls. The songs cover all emotional arcs from the film as well. Take Genevieve Soul's submission, for example. This Berkeley School of Music student penned Colette's training song, a tribute to the accomplished sous chef who is tasked with training Linguini. It's cutthroat, and that is not a figure of speech. You've got the hat, the coat, but presentation is just one plate to keep spinning. So keep your back straight, keep your arms in from the first order to the bon appetit. And if you want to survive, you better keep your eyes on me. Ecoute, keep your stations clear. This is not a home kitchen and your mommy's not here. To pick up your mess, there's no need to fear. Just follow the recipe and luckily you happen to be training with the best. So keep your head on straight, listen to what I say. You are an artist and your canvas is cuisine. And if you want to survive, you better keep your eyes on me. And then the dance break would happen here with knives. It's incredible how detailed and melodic they each are. One of my favorites comes from Gabby Bolt, a musician who recorded the following while, of course, wearing a delicate pair of paper cutout rat ears. This is my submission to the Ratatouille musical. This is a song for Remy's dad. Don't waste your whiskers on dreaming. Try to see life as I do. Taking the smell of it steaming This wonderful dump here in front of you Trash is our treasure, it's all that we need Why ask for better when we're comfortably Finding the good in the garbage, the gold in the gruel One human's trash is another rat's fuel And you are yet to find out that that's what the life of a rat's all about. French, ha <laughs> 
Musicals are filled with energetic highs and soulful lows, and you can't stage a production like this without some major showstoppers. Jeremy Crawford, a musical theater student at Catholic University, took it upon himself to pen the ultimate heart-wrenching rat ballad, perfect for any major Broadway second act. I'm Remy, a rat with broken dreams. They praised me, they're ready to eat, but a rat can't cook, or so it seems. I guess Paul was right, that I can't do anything, a rat's a rat, and you're born as you are. And though I tried, I haven't done anything behind a hat, is where I belong. Anyone can cook, if anyone is someone who has legs and looks the way that they should, back to trash and dirt. Scavenging and hunting while Linguini lives the life I never could. Linguini, he wins, I'm losing, he knows. It's perfect, particularly when followed by this creation by R.J. Christian, a Broadway composer and NYU student who channeled Gusto's mantra in a tone you won't be able to get out of your head. All it takes is courage All your sweat and tears Are like oil in the pan Just look in the book In the back You'll see recipes always go off track And you're not off the hook you must choose to cook because anybody can. This is nowhere near all of what's out there. The submissions are endless in the way TikTok tends to be. Only it's not a long, tiring scroll of people hopping on trending songs to catch the wave of something popular. It's a beautiful collection of contributions of the human spirit, as channeled through the talented chef skills of a rat. It may not seem like a theme park story on its surface, but at the core, this impromptu collection of animation-inspired melodies only happened because one person was hopeful enough about riding a Ratatouille ride at Walt Disney World and decided to turn that disappointment into something great. We've given up a lot this year, so much of our lives, and though visiting Disney parks that are open aren't quite the same right now, we wouldn't have this beautifully collaborative Broadway stage show otherwise. It all began, in a way, with a mouse. Well, a rat, but you know what I mean. And one day, when all of this is over, I hope we can find a way to see this musical come to fruition, and to have Emily finally get to ride that ride. Anyone who's 
uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer, and it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. As you'll recall, last week we discussed the dangly, dirty foot on Pirates of the Caribbean and how one caller was scared of it. I opened it up and asked, is there anything else that you're fearful of on a ride? And I got some wonderful calls. Here's what hit the churro hotline. On Spaceship Earth, there's a little newspaper boy and he's turned kind of the opposite way from the ride vehicle. And I just always wonder if he has a face or if he's just an incomplete animatronic those heads that pop up in the haunted mansion or anytime i can't see what a ride looks like from the outside i just get this anxiety about it i am afraid of the ride bars that come down and stitches great escape i'm afraid that the sensor is not going to go off and it's going to Mine is not Disney-related, but as a child, I was extremely afraid of E.T., and I went to Universal Studios with my dad when I was, like, six or seven years old. This is like, 20 years ago, or no, sorry, 30 years ago. I'm aging fast. I could not believe at the end of the E.T. ride that he said my name. Why did he know my name? That was horrible. That was horrifying. Why does E.T. need to know my name? Me and my mom are deathly afraid of one of the animatronics on the Peter Pan ride. Love that ride, the classic in Magic Kingdom. But the Tiger Lily animatronic just stares at you with these piercing eyes. And I just feel like I had to mention it because I can't be the only one that feels that in my soul. The ventriloquist dummy, those things, in uh, Tower of Terror, because when you come down, depending on which elevator you're on, he's on different sides. I am very scared of puppets. I was riding it one time, a lot of times while I was there in one trip, and we rode it like three times, and he was always on the right. And then the next time we rode it, I was like looking to the left to avoid him, and he was on the left, and I almost cried. 
I am and have always been terrified of The Rock on Indiana Jones. I'm fully aware that it's an illusion, but you can tell me that until you're blue in the face. Every single time I go on there, I have to close my eyes. I am legitimately terrified. And then I get smashed by a giant rock. So this one was particularly relatable for me because personally, I am not scared of the boulder on Indiana Jones Adventure at Disneyland. But at Tokyo Disney Sea, it was a different kind of situation. So I went on that ride with my husband on our honeymoon, which was, oh my God, five years ago. I am rapidly becoming elderly, but we went on it and I didn't realize how scared I was going to be, I guess because their ride is a little different. I think it was just a little more intense to me and I was probably very jet lagged. But when we got off the ride, our onboard photo was since we we took the single rider line, so we weren't sitting together, the front row are three girls dressed identically and my husband. And then I am in the back row, I believe, and I am crouched down so far, so scared out of my mind that you can't even see me in the photo. I'll have to dig it up. But it's just me hidden, terrified, so much so that it looks like he just went on the ride alone and I'm not even there. So I fully hear you on this one. Now, there's one more fear call I want to play, which raises a very good question. And well, I'll just let them get to it. Hey, Carly, it's Kathy calling from Indiana. I'm so excited to hear, well, I shouldn't say excited, but I was very glad to hear that other people are equally as disgusted with the dirty foot hanging in Pirates in the Caribbean as I am. My husband and I, we laughed hysterically whenever we heard that somebody else points that out every single time that they ride. We always look at it and we always cringe. But then kind of on the opposite flip note here, I always love to see the little hanging um, possum on Big Thunder Mountain. I get so excited when I see that little hidden hanging critter as well, but I was just very glad to hear that other people are equally disgusted with the hanging foot. I'll see you later. Thanks. I love this call so much that I want to open it up to the Churro Hotline once again. So if there is anything on a ride, any small, teeny tiny detail that you deeply, deeply love, call in and let me know about it. Because I want to hear. For me, it's obviously the robot butler on the exit from Space Mountain in Magic Kingdom. I know it's a bit of an Epcot throwback, but to me, that robot butler is my future. Because I would love someone to just bring me foam-topped iced coffees all day. A girl can dream. A girl can dream of a little slender silver little robot rolling around her house. Anyway, I want to know what you love about random attractions, what things that speak to you that other people may not know about. So call in. Call in. Hi, Carly. This is Matthew Serrano calling with a very important question. So a couple of weeks or months ago or however long it was when the state of California was putting its foot down about theme parks not being able to reopen. SeaWorld, as many people know, said, you know what? Screw it. We're, we're not opening as a theme park. We're a zoo, since that technically f- fell under the guidelines of what was allowed to reopen. So, with movie theaters being allowed to be reopened in Orange County, and with DCA about to be opened up, parts of it at least, with Buena Vista Street and the area surrounding Hollywoodland and outside of Soren, what is stopping Disney from saying, you know what? Soren? is a movie theater. (laughs) Let me know. I would love to know what your investigative skills can find out and what are the technicalities behind that. Thanks. 
Matthew, director of Live from the Space Stage, a Halix story, is on the Churro Hotline. What a treat to hear from you. So you raise a really good point. Currently in Orange County, movie theaters can open at 25% capacity or 100 people, whichever is less. And given that Soren is a shorter experience where food and drink are not allowed, it's somewhat safe to infer that riding Soren has less exposure risk than seeing a full-length feature film, airflow specifics notwithstanding. I touched on this in my sci-fi column a few weeks ago because it feels a little strange that Disney will soon be opening Buena Vista Street at Disney California Adventure for limited shopping and dining, but they won't be able to open an attraction a hundred or so feet away in the exact same space. Now, I'm not advocating either way, but the part that really stuck out to me was that When these parks do open, they will not be able to have indoor queuing. And it seems strange to me that, from the state's point of view, you couldn't be on an indoor attraction like Toy Story Mania or, as you mentioned, Soarin', when you'd likely spend equal to or significantly less time on those rides as you might shopping within World of Disney or stores along Buena Vista Street. If the fear is indoor transmission person to person, those two experiences, especially if indoor queues are not allowed, are pretty similar. What I think it comes down to is that the restrictions Governor Gavin Newsom has put on theme parks statewide differ from other spaces like zoos or even museums for one specific reason. This is a bit of conjecture, but it's inferably accurate to say these restrictions are mostly intended to curb travel to California, while areas like Los Angeles and Orange County still have significant COVID numbers. Again, there are a lot of ingredients in this cake, but people aren't generally flying cross-country for something like a zoo or aquarium or a local movie theater as they are for Disneyland Resort, especially if they start boarding people on attractions like Space Mountain or Incredicoaster, which a lot of us have been waiting a long time to get back on. So yeah, it's, it's a little weird when you lay it all out. I totally hear that. But that's why I think... The two, in theory, are very similar, but once you break it down, are actually much, much different. Hope that helps. Hey, Carly. My name's Michael Underland. I'm a huge fan. My question was, let's say you got to be an Imagineer. You got to design your own fantasy ride. It can be from an IP, from a movie, from anything. It could be completely from your own imagination. I want to know what's in the ride, how it starts, what does the queue line look like? Is there a gift shop? What's in the gift shop? Leave no stone unturned. Anyways, uh, love your show. Take care. Bye. Michael, Michael, Michael! What a call. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. I'm adjusting myself in my chair to to get ready (laughs) to pitch my, my blue sky dream attraction, which I know many of you are expecting will be a dark ride, like a Fantasyland style attraction with a themed queue and a themed exit gift shop. But no, 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 because this is a fake job at Walt Disney Imagineering where I make a fake salary of $14 million, whether I do or do not do a good job, whether I'm on Instagram all day slacking off doesn't matter because it's not a real job. So I'm going to invent what I truly would love to see in the park, which is a mix between the film Monsters University and Shanghai Disneyland's Adventure Trails. Now, I really, really would love some sort of indoor, interactive, huge adventures ropes course situation. I would envision it being 
kind of like a ride in the sense that there is a story, obviously, because we're talking about a Disney attraction. And so you would move between three different scenarios, all loosely inspired by the film's scare games, but not exact replicas, because you don't want what's called a book report version of a film as a ride. Yeah, how do you think I got this fake job at fake WDI? I know what I'm talking about, sort of. God blind my way in, whatever. So anyway, you will be part of a new fraternity that is not featured in the film. You will be at the school maybe after Mike and Sully leave. They'll be leading the scare games, so you'll see them. There will be audio animatronics of them throughout the Adventure Ropes course so that you can still have character interaction while also, you know, running a across a suspended bridge 20 feet off the ground. You're hooked in a harness. Don't worry. You'll be fine. Even though I still can't believe (laughs) that the attraction at Shanghai Disney exists, we have to do a whole episode on it because I need to know how that got approved. It is unbelievable. I did it in loafers when it had just like it was wet and I was wearing loafers and I still did it. Anyway, that's a whole different tangent. But You complete these three different levels with your group or by yourself, and it's just fun because for me, sometimes when I'm at a theme park, I I get a little tired of being passive, of just being a passenger. And granted, there are attractions that are interactive in the sense like uh, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run or anything that involves a shootout gun. But I really, really would love to physically interact by moving my body through space. And I think that this would provide a wonderful change that usually adults don't get to have in the park. If you're a kid, there are, you know, there are different experiences you can do where you're running around. But as an adult, sometimes I just want to blow off some steam and maybe uh, be hooked in to a harness and do some monkey bars within the theming of my very favorite Pixar film, Monsters University. Yes, it's my favorite. We're not going to argue about it. It's my favorite. It's the best one. It's the best one. How can you not love a film where the characters aspire to have a job? Oh, I love it so much. So anyway, that's the experience that I would want. And then the gift shop would be, I would love it. This is so weird. I would love it if it was themed to like a college locker room slash uh, bookstore. You know how college bookstores obviously sell books, duh, but they also sell a ton of merchandise that proclaims the college. I would love to have something fully themed for all of that MU merch that is already sold in the parks, just sold within a very like collegiate environment down to having like book wraps and all of the things that you would get in college. Pens, pencils, uh, pencil bags. You know what I'm talking about. Like all that type of stuff just themed Monsters University so that you could feel like if you had the backpack and the bags and the sweatshirt and the hat, you could feel like you are a student in Monsters University because you accomplished something on that ropes course. So that's what I would love. I know it's not, you know, it's not a a dark ride. It's not a coaster. It's not what most people would say, but I don't know if we can, if if I can get some FaceTime with Billy Crystal out of it and get a cool backpack, color me thrilled. Hey, Carly, this is Kristen in Gallatin, Tennessee. Wanted to let you know that I am just finishing up my virtual Disney 10K as they announced Joe Biden, our new president, and I'm finishing up your most recent episode. Couldn't be more excited for you to be the first person that I call and congratulate and start celebrating with. Thank you for all the great work you do and your support of so very many important causes. Have a great day. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much for the Churro Hotline being the first person you called when you heard the news. I am so honored. I mean, I've I've said enough online to last me a lifetime about the past week, but regardless, what a moment. Wow, what a time. Just 
truly extraordinary. Okay, bye. much for listening and an extra special thank you to my friend Alexandra Ford for tipping me off on this whole TikTok trend. You can find her at Alexandra underscore Ford on Instagram and Twitter, but she's a fabulous actress and writer, so if you're someone who staffs a room or casts films, she's your gal! She doesn't know I'm saying that and she will be very embarrassed, but you know what? That's what best friends do! I also wanted to thank everyone who wrote the fabulous Ratatouille-inspired music for this episode and gave me permission to share it on air with you all. They didn't write it for this episode, they just let me play it in the episode. I think that makes sense, right? That makes sense. Blake Rouse, who on TikTok is at Blakey, Blake Y. Rouse. Genevieve Soul, who's at Bowling for Snails. RJ Christian, at RJ the Composer. Jeremy Crawford at Jerome Jarambe, Gabby Bolt at Fettuccini Fedu Queen, Daniel Mertzluft at Daniel J. Mertzluft, and of course, last but not least, Emily Jacobson at E underscore J A C C S on TikTok. If that sounded like a lot, don't worry. I'll link to all of their profiles in every video we discussed in this episode in the show notes, as well as on very-amusing.com. Thank you so much to everyone who called 747 Churros, both this week and in weeks past. I am almost done with completely overhauling my call log so that I can utilize some of the older calls in future episodes. I'm getting through all of them. There's a color-coded system. Trust me, there's a lot going on. And I'm so thankful for every single voicemail that is left for me. Except that Olumel one. I'm still a little shaken up by it. It was very, very scary. Oh, also, someone left me 30, I think it was 35 seconds of audio from Wishes of just, you know, like the children portion of the singing, the children's voice. And I got to say, I applaud you. I applaud you. Master level trolling. And I love to see it. I can take the hit. It's hilarious to me. Whoever did that. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who left a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or left a review. I'm told this is very important. I don't know how an algorithm works. I don't live inside a computer, but that's what I'm told. And I'm very, very thankful to everyone who took the time to say something. Let me let me see who did this week. We got uh, Heidi B126, LKH417, Annie Caps, Annie Caps, Annie Caps, Still Dixie Landings to me, Lauren Karepka. Errand, Sophie wrote us 29, MTP Flyers, Mr. Doback, why don't I know how to read anymore? Stanzi87 and Char115. Thank you all so, so much for your kind words and your, your little notes. Wait, I'm reading, I'm reading one right now. Uh, Mr. Doback says, be passionate of what you talk about. In the words of Billie Eilish, duh. You are to the extreme. Love it. I'm not so sure I know what that means, but uh, I'll take it. Feels like a compliment to me. 
If you enjoy this podcast and everything that comes with it, consider joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash Carly where you will get four to six bonus episodes a month, weekly churro Q&As, which are essentially the back portion of this episode, in a little newsletter-style blog post, a monthly zine, and so much more. This past week, the Churros Q&A talked about a little more in-depth into what it's like being a theme park journalist. I provided uh, some... Some interesting details that uh, hopefully all of the patrons enjoyed. And yes, someone messaged me and said it was patrons. I have to thank you personally. I cannot remember who it was, but thank you. Thank you, Norma. I struggled a lot last week deciding if it was patrons or patrons. And Norma helped me out. It's patrons. We got it. We're done. Follow me on social media at Carly Wiesel. I'm online all day because how else would I interact with people? It's a pandemic. Very Amusing is edited perfectly by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, sweetheart, it's mom. I just want you to know that I love this episode, of course, because you're on it and everybody else is so good. It was a little bit over my head, technically a little bit, but I did learn that there's a Spider-Man ride coming out to California, so Maybe when things open up, I can come and we can do that. I would love that. And I do want to say I am not happy that that hoop de doo the one we always go to, there's like it's closed. I didn't even know that. I'm really upset about that. That was so much fun for us. I'll get over it. I'll get over it. Um, I do know what an Apple podcast is. Thanks to Very Amusing at 777 Churros because of you. I have now an Apple podcast, that little purple box on my app, and now I can, every time you're on something, I just upload it to my Apple podcast, and I have like a queue of five things of your show and you being on other shows, and now I can hear you all day long, even if you don't pick up. I love it. Anyway, I love you, and hopefully I'll talk to you soon, and I just want to say congrats on another great week. I can't wait till next Wednesday. Bye, sweetheart.